welcome back to another episode of Bird Bruh. <laughs> I flood my intro there a little bit, but we're gonna keep it going. It's Ron Brown as always, and I got Trent and AD AV this week is the one uh, bringing up the rear, but he'll be on soon. And, and we got a special guest hosting us uh, with hosting with us this first segment. We got Leonard. I don't know if you have a, 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 a sc- not a screen name, but a, a host name. Stage you name. Have a, Stage name. I don't know if you want to go into government, but uh, he's always supporting Bird Bros, man, retweeting our links and hitting us up on Facebook. And he's always been a, a dope supporter for us, I think, probably since the first season. But how's everybody doing tonight, first off? Can't complain, man. I'm doing well, doing well. I'm 3 and 0. I'm good. Cool. And Leonard, first off, we got to give you the floor a little bit, man. Just a kind of brief introduction of yourself. How did you become a Falcons fan? How long have you been a fan? How did you find out about our show? Because, I mean, it's always good to have interaction with guys, with people who listen or listen to our show. Yeah, I started getting back. I got into the Falcons uh, back when Dion was there, actually. It was uh, Dion and Andre Risen and Jerry Glanville, actually. Uh, uh, just, who doesn't love Dion? I just kind of stuck with Atlanta ever since. And, yeah, so I just always follow them, you know, with the NFL primetime with Berman and all that stuff. And, uh Found you guys just uh, searching you on the um, looking for an Atlanta Falcons podcast and came across you guys and just had loved the chemistry with you guys and stuck ever since. All right. We, we appreciate it. And, and the check will be in the mail for, for those great comments. Uh, AD, go ahead and open up the checkbook for us. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, man, we, we really appreciate you uh, listening to us and checking us out and, and joining us today as, as we talk about another Falcons win, like AD said earlier, we're 3-0. Man, first off, I'll make a confession that I missed the last drive. I watched the whole game, but missed the last drive, which uh, I guess that'll, that will save any hair follicles I have left on my head anyways. But, I mean, that whole game is probably Matt's, Matt Ryan's most inconsistent game we've seen. He had a couple – he had three picks, two which we'll say weren't his fault. Pick six was. But, man, Trent, what was up, man? What, 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 what did you see in that game? Yeah, I think um, Matt definitely uh, went back to 2015 for a little bit. Like you said, um, <laughs> well, I'll honestly, I'll give two out of three to him. I think that last one to uh, Tevin, well, not the last one, the second to last one to Tevin Coleman was actually kind of forced on Matt Ryan's part. I think he was trying to not let the uh, Lions um, get the review for the play before that. On, I think it was the, the catch on Taylor Gabriel. But it was kind of a rush throw for Matt Ryan, which uh, led to the interception. So I'll give him the, the two out of three. But um, the unit I was most impressed with on Sunday, um, I was talking to you guys through group me, was the, the defense, actually. I think um, I had a, a lot of respect for the, uh, the Lions offense. I think Matt Stafford is one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the uh, NFL. And, uh, I mean, of course, he had some weapons at his disposal also. So I didn't see – um, the defense having that type of performance with we were able to stuff the run. And <laughs> this is weird because I'm actually giving AV some props. Luckily he's not on the uh, call right now. He'll but, be in any minute now. <laughs> so um, yeah, AV's boy Tat got his first sack of the, uh, of his career. And um, so it was honestly, to me, it was the defense, like they held the lions um, offense to a to a lot of field goals that only Matt Prater can cook can can hit. I mean, he was hitting fifty plus, fifty five plus uh, yard field goals on Sunday. 
So I was most impressed with the um, the defense on, on Sunday. Yeah, definitely something a lot different, especially with how we talked last week about what happens with Vic Beasley out. What happens? Are we going to, you know, go to – are we going to be trash or what's going to happen? But they definitely stepped up. I agree with that. Uh, definitely impressed with the um, – with the defense, the two the two people who stood out to me the most were first um, Freeman. I mean, that dude is just a dog, man. That I mean, the running and then that catch on that that uh, that kind of in cutting route there on the goal line where he took that big hit um, oh, yeah. to set up that scoring drive was just I mean that was crazy. Um, but the other the other guy was Taylor Gabriel, and not just on I mean he caught the one screen pass I think he took for like eighteen jumping over somebody. And then, of course, the touchdown. But, you know, if he doesn't run that guy, that um, that defender down on that um, last interception that went through Sanu's hands, I mean, they may have lost that game. Um, and that's the yeah, second sure. time. Well, I won't say the second time, but you have that play and then you have the play with the Bears where he's, you know, 60, 70 yards downfield trying to throw a block on that 81-yard catch to Hooper. So, And you just talk about the little things, the effort, stuff like that. Man, I was just kind of blown away thinking about those two plays where, which aren't, you know, where he's catching the ball and stuff he's doing either blocking or trying to chase down an uh, interception that may have saved the game. For sure. For sure. So Leonard, as our guest host today, uh, I know off air, you told us you, you live in Ohio. I mean, that's the team that's close to you. The Lions, not too far from, I guess, I, well, I don't know. Geography. Let, me stop, <laughs> let me stop lying. I, like, I know the distance from Canada, Detroit, but I mean, yeah, no, it's, it's not actually. It's not not too far away. Actually, I used to live in Michigan. Actually, I went to the uh, old Silverdome a couple of times. Oh, okay, I lived up there. So more more experience in Detroit than us. But I mean, like we said, a close game definitely had oh, us yeah. on the seat. Uh, you know, at the edge of our seats on that one. Um, who were some of the key guys that you saw in that yeah, game? The, the deep, you know, Freeman obviously with the running and stuff because Atlanta was. We've always had a really good pass offense, but uh, the running backs sometimes have always been a little hit and miss. But now nah, he's solid running back. And he had a solid game, and the defense is just Detroit can and just throw up a ton of points. But the defense kept them in check. I mean, when we had them, you know, up by a couple of scores, but no, they stayed close, and you know, you know, obviously ended up winning the game and stuff, but. I was, I was very happy with the defense. Yeah, so I guess the consensus is, is the play of the defense and, and Freeman living up to the contract. We all often see a lot we often see a lot of guys who get that deal and it's like, all right, back to well, I mean Freeman's always played high at a high level, but a lot of guys regress. And I mean, even we had this debate in our group me, is is Freeman a top five running back, which is probably a debate for another day, but I, I can honestly say I'll put him in that top five up there with Le'Veon Bells and LaShawn McCoy, a player we'll see later this weekend. But, I mean, Freeman is, is making it happen. Yeah, and I, I actually posed that question, and I actually asked, is Freeman the best running back in the league? And while, of course, most people are going to not even entertain that question, I think the fact that that question can actually be entertained just shows how – effective Freeman has been the last I think he since 2015 he has the most rushing yards of any running back um but he's just been very effective and even this year I think he's came back with a different um just a different mindset I mean his vision and just the way he took over that game or took over that offense on Sunday it was 
honestly, it was something I've never seen. I just felt like I felt like we've always had a great one-two punch, but Freeman is becoming, I guess, more of the feature back now. I think um, I think that's the difference between Sark and um, Shanahan. Well, I mean, that's kind of it's kind of early to say that, but I think in these first three games, I think uh, Freeman has received much more carries. I think it was more split with with Shanahan, but I think it's not as split with uh, Sark. I think uh, Freeman is getting m- most of the carries and most of the opportunities. Yeah, and I think that's and I think that's probably what we want to see in the sense of those are going to come when we need to run the ball, when we need to bleed the clock in the fourth quarter. And Freeman is the prototypical bat for this offense for that, as opposed to Tevin. And uh, grand entrance, the Honorable A.V. has entered the building. How you doing tonight, A.V.? I'm doing well. How you gentlemen doing tonight? Doing good. Doing good. Good, man, good. We got our loyal bird bro supporter, Leonard, also on the podcast with us tonight. Salute. I'm sure he's What's familiar up, with all your uh, shenanigans. <laughs> okay, what's going on? <laughs> hey, how you doing, Avi? Yo. All right, so Avi, you you're in the building now, man. As always, you 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 held down the group me and uh, was keeping us updated, and even got on me when I said I missed the last drive. But <laughs> 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 I mean, so far the guys have really talked about the defense, man. The defense was was a bright spot. There were some low points, but. Defense shown bright. Your boy Tack got his first career sack. And uh, he's back on social media, too. So I guess maybe that has something to do with it. <laughs> of course. Of course. He was tired of looking at puppies on YouTube. I think that's what he said. Yeah, that was his official uh, reason for, <laughs> for getting back. So, yeah, man. I mean, it was uh, – I mean, defense definitely stepped up. I mean, that's two of the – really, every week, every game this season has been the defense making plays. Um, you know, and they made plays to go ahead and, and win the game. So um, Brian Poole, you know, the one inch line, you know, I think we were all looking at the game and thinking, man, this is this is really how it ends. But um, being, you know, aware, being around the ball, you know, they've been preaching, be around the ball, be around the ball, make something happen. And they made it happen. So uh, you got to give the guys a lot of credit. That last drive looked really, really shaky. But again, the defense makes a play to, to win the game. So. Um, you know, Brian Poole definitely stepped up with a lot of guys out. Uh, he made a play to to help win it when the rest of the secondary was making plays to lose it. It seemed like, you know, uh, Trufant with the questionable call on him and, you know, Rocky, another penalty on him, but they made enough plays to win. So that's all that matters. I want to go back. Uh, I just scroll back in the Bird Bros group me and I'm looking at play by play. Yeah. That last drive, a few of those. So I'm assuming this is around maybe that fourth down. Was that the fourth or third now? It was third down, right? Yeah, it was third. We played the last, but no, third. 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 It was third, third down. down. Third and goal. AV hits us with a tough game for True. I, I don't know what happened. Did True get they that catching was, on? That wasn't that bad. There was, yeah. a, there was a penalty up. Uh, yeah, pass interference on True um, in the uh, in the end yeah. zone. Um, was it on Marvin against Marvin Jones? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so it was in the end zone. Yeah, so, Trent, uh, so Trent says game time after that. Obviously, Trent, yeah, little thing. AV, good call on him. AD, that's a game. AV said back to back. Stafford might try to run it in himself. No timeouts. AD calls it a quarterback draw. AV, a sack, in, a sack ends it. AD, terrible. Trent, 
back to back. He was down. He was down. Av, that's game. He was showing a runoff. They're not going to make that call though. Laugh out loud. Says, oh, that's my voice. Wow. Three and <laughs> Av is with the oh ye of little faith. And so I mean, so as you can, see, we went through the the whole game, everything, all the emotions that you could have in, in text five, form right there, man. basically. Ad was looking forward to recording already. So I mean, we're here. I mean. I guess we we'll go to Leonard. What was going through your mind watching that last play? Was it a was it a replay to get first game of the year or even a Super Bowl? Unfortunately, uh, trying to have the having to make a, a last. You know, you just end up with those. I was I was nervous honestly because I'm like, oh no, he scored the test. Then with the replay, I was, I was obviously I was pretty happy that he didn't make it. <laughs> but then they came out ran off the ten seconds. I'm like, oh, I'll take that. And <laughs> things like that'll probably happen to us. We'll be on the wrong side of that sooner or later because sometimes we uh we just get the the good side of it and the refs and rules happen to. I mean, I um, feel like you know when you're you know I know a lot of times they talk about you know you'd rather be you know lucky than good, and I think at least twice this season it looks like the Falcons have been more lucky than good. But to be honest with you, I mean I'll take it you know especially coming after how the season ended for us in the Super Bowl. If we are sweating out these victories against teams we feel like we should be blowing past, I'll take it. Um, there's nothing, we're, we're number one in the conference, number one in our division. Uh, the Bills game should be a game that we definitely capitalize on um, at home. So I think we got more than enough opportunity to really kind of cement ourselves early in the year, especially with that early bye. Um, we put ourselves in a good position. You know, we can get to 4-0, another week to get guys like Vic healthy, you know, uh, get Schrader back. Some of these other guys who are having injury issues, Courtney Upshaw, if we get another week and get through this week, this Buffalo game, um, I think the, the the Falcons will be in really good shape. Yeah, I think you got to – I mean, I'm not – I mean, you know, they joke about – you know, well, they don't joke, but we joke about Coach Quinn and the sayings and all these other different things. But it's little stuff like that that helps you win these games. I mean, Poole could have easily just saw him catch that ball and not even reach out. And I, I mean, it's all instinct, but it's little things like that. Again, Gabriel chasing guys down on interceptions. All that stuff adds up. And, you know, when you – because I was watching the game. I couldn't hear the sound. I was out um, at work, but I'm crowded around the TV with like 30, 40 other people. And, you know, on one hand, you got Tampa Bay losing. You got um, Carolina losing to New Orleans. And for us to be able to really steal a win – I don't even say steal a win. We should have won that game going away, but um, victories at all at all costs. I don't care what anybody says. Is put wins in the bank. I'm happy. Yeah, I think yeah. I, um, I touched on 2015 already this episode. I'm gonna touch on it one more time. One more time. I think stop touching on it. These type of well, <laughs> these were the type of games that we would lose. Yeah, pause. Yeah, no, that's that's that Dame Dash Smiley right there. <laughs> but uh, AD, AD already had one of those comments last episode. Man, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> oh yeah, but th- these were the type of games that like that, you, that we lost in 2015, and these are the type of games that at the end of the season, like you will need to basically make it to play, start, make it to play late in January and February. So I don't discount any of these wins. First of all, they were road wins, which, I mean, you played two. Of course, that Bears win looked bad when it happened. But, I mean, that team, 
beat the Steelers last week. So that win, uh, that's a pretty good win. And also the Lions, I think all of us can can understand that that's a pretty good team as well. So these are also good wins. I mean, of course, it's um, and it's it's a, it's beneficial because even though, like AD was saying, these are wins that you had to drag out or you felt like you sh- it shouldn't have been a close game in the um, in the first point. And I think that's beneficial because so this is a game that you, I guess you can argue that you should have lost, but you won. So it's still a game that you, oh, it's still a win that you can learn from. And I think this team will definitely learn from it. And you'll see that on Sunday. I think this team will come out more focused and uh, uh, ready to actually put a game away rather than allow a team to uh, hang around. I think even more importantly than that, it's, it's a, a NF, NF, NFC wins. wins. I mean, yeah. you got two, you, three NFC wins already, you know, as you get ready to, to get to Buffalo. Um, so if we're talking about, you know, like, like how last year ended, you know, we were 11 and five, um, the same record uh, as Seattle, but we got it, you know, on tiebreakers. Just, you know, think about how much that comes down at the end of the year um, when you're talking about playoff positioning. So for us to be able to get wins that weren't easy, we put ourselves in bad positions again with turnovers, penalties, sloppy play but we still pulled it out. So uh, like AD said, I'm not apologizing for any wins. Could it have been better? Yes. Could the execution have been better? Yes. Could we have not had the turnovers? Of course, but I'll take three and O with a chance to go four and O. I think there was some stat that uh, we would be the, I think the fourth team in the last 37 years to lose the Super Bowl and start the season four and O. So people love to talk about the Falcons didn't, you know, how they going to get over 28 to three. You come out 4-0, I think that's showing everybody how you responded. Yeah, I definitely think that Super Bowl hangover talk is is over now. <laughs> it's it's pretty we'll close to being there. We're talking about a 28-3, man. It's- well, 28-3 won't go anyway, but that's <laughs> the whole Super Bowl hangover, is it really not? that That's done with. Yeah, Detroit – I'm sorry. Yeah, No, just Detroit's – a lot of people overlook, like, Detroit and, and teams like that just because they don't get a lot of national play. But, you know, Detroit's good. They, they – uh, with the Falcons just, you know, a lot of just wide receivers and, you know, and Stafford's Stafford's playing well too. So, I mean, it's, it's a good win. I was very happy with the win. You know, like I said, it concerned me when they, you know, they Atlanta jumped up and then Detroit started coming back in. I was like, Oh, no. <laughs> there and <laughs> yeah, I won't lie. <laughs> they started coming back. I'm just like, oh god, no. <laughs> yeah. Especially after those turnovers. I mean, 2015. <laughs> yeah, that's 2015. Wait, 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 wait. What's what's the what's the 2015 significance? I'm 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 lost. I know. First, I said 2014. I said Matt Ryan. Um, I think this oh, game man. he went back. He reverted back to 2015. Matt Ryan. I've been referencing 2015 every five minutes since then. Oh, I mean, I don't really feel like he he went backwards. I feel like two of them weren't even his fault. I feel like the first one was was horrible, but he made play. He threw he threw interceptions like that last year. Not all the time, but I mean, he I, that Kansas City game jumps out to me where he just really was just off. Um, but I still feel like for the most part, he's still. I mean, the first couple of games of the year, he's been pretty pretty good. I think he can get right back on track against Buffalo at home. Um, so, personally, I wouldn't say 2015, but, I mean, I think that was a year that was kind of – it was one of his worst seasons. Oh, yeah, so I don't I, have any I, doubt. I don't, I don't have any doubt that he actually looks like 2015. I'm just saying the the stats. So, of course, like, one of those interceptions weren't even on him. I, but that Sanu interception was all Sanu's fault. But 
I was just saying 2015 because I think the last time he's had a two or three interception game was actually 2015 as well. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm not trying to make excuses, but even on the first one, really that was just – that was more play concept and that they got comfortable with what they were running with that particular play. I don't think he threw it. It wasn't a bad – like I threw it in the triple coverage. Just didn't give a – That's know, pretty bad. It, it, AD was pretty bad. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad, man. I mean, well, he, six he is usually a. It's usually bad. Yeah, my my it was, point. It was Quinn. Touch. It was Quinn. Uh, what's the the get the safety who picked it off? Grover. Right, but Grover, Grover Quinn. Right. Yeah. I'm not I mean, saying he, it he was read good. his eyes though. Yeah, but he read. Yeah, exactly. he read it. Good. Right, right, right. Like, but what, man, I almost yeah. felt it myself. I was like, this ball's <laughs> gonna get picked off. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is, it there's. I'm rolling left, throwing back right across my body into triple coverage, bad. That was he, – he did what he was supposed to do on that because of the way the play was drawn up. I'm not saying it wasn't a, wasn't a bad interception, but that's something that they can fix literally in the, with the play call, and it's not a it wasn't bad, bad decision. decision. He, right. He threw it what I, he was I don't supposed know. to throw. I don't know they about got, that. They got out on that. There's I mean, a, I, we've, seen there's a difference. we've seen 2015 Matt Ryan bad decision-making. That wasn't – that, that was pretty awful, man. I'm sorry. I I I might meant to be the dissenting voice on that one. I don't know. That that was poor. Sometimes you get out schemed. They got they got out schemed on that one. That's what I'm saying. There's and then there's we got beat by coaching, and that was what that was, in my opinion. And give respect to Grover Quinn. I mean, that's actually reading the play. He he saw that okay, this post corner is not gonna kill me again. I mean, Quinn is a he's a he's a very good safety. I don't want to take anything away from him. Um, I feel like the quarterback. I feel like Matt could have made a much better read on that play. And and if you see that there's a safety just kind of lurking, you may have to eat the sack. I know sometimes we get mad looking at the games. You know, you can't take a sack there, Matt. Bad sack. But if that could have eliminated that score, I mean, you think about the time and position of that game, if the Falcons had been able to just hold on to the ball, you don't have to try to come back down and try to score right before halftime where they got that field goal. Really, Detroit doesn't even get on the board um, with any, you know, touchdown if that doesn't happen in that first half. So that that was just, I, I don't know, me personally, just looking at that play, I was like, that was that was really dumb. That was really bad. But that's yes. looking at the result also, though. That's like, okay, what if he gets tackled? And, you know what I'm saying, of course, it's looking at the result. Like, okay, for 2020 vision, it was a pick six. What if it's not a pick six? Yeah, I, I just feel like I feel like that one to me is 100 percent on, on the quarterback. That's that's just a throw you cannot make in that situation. But um, fortunately, he, we were able to get past it and, you know, move on. And they did come back and, and score. I know Dan Quinn talked about that in his one of his uh, interviews um, this week where he admired the resiliency of the team to come back after something like that to to get a score right before halftime since Detroit, you know, got the ball right after half. So that was an important drive when you think about how the game ended up, you know, mm-hmm. so, um, you know, they made, they managed to come back from it, but it was, it was a tough, that was a tough one to watch. Will I wrap up the Lions talk? Do y'all have any other things to debate or? I think we'll see the Lions again, honestly. Um, okay. I mean, I, I think, I think Green Bay is definitely uh, going to be, you know, if they don't win their division, they're going to be a playoff team. But I think Detroit, um, they gained a lot more of my respect than I had. Like I didn't really think much of Detroit, you know, to be honest with you coming into the game. I thought they were decent. Um, but I thought last year was kind of a fluke as far as the way they were winning all those close games, the point differential. They weren't really blowing anybody out. They just managed to kind of get past people. Um, but they they showed me something. Those guys, they, they play hard. So um, give them credit. They made it a lot more uncomfortable than I think any of us would have imagined. 
But I think when you look at how the NFC is shaping up, at least right now, I don't think anybody – I mean, the best team in the NFC West might be the Rams right now. I mean, if you look at how the teams are playing out there, um, so I don't think they'll get a, a wild-card team. I don't think anybody from our division, the way they're playing, is going to be a wild-card team. Tampa looked awful against <laughs> Minnesota, against a backup quarterback, Case Keenum. Um, and so then you really look at, you know, the NFC East and probably the NFC North um, is getting an extra team in for a wild card. I think Detroit's definitely, you know, playoff caliber um, to get in there and, and challenge for the division as well, you know, with the Minnesota, with the Green Bay. So um, I think we'll definitely hear from them, if not see them again in the playoffs. Well, Leonard, um, we appreciate you coming on, brother. Hey, man, I appreciate you guys. Yeah, thank you for your time, man. Thank yeah. you for listening. Also, Thanks for listening. Thank I mean, he's always retweeting our stuff and sharing, and he hit us up a few uh, a few months ago, like, where y'all at? When we were kind of slacking on the episode. So we appreciate you keeping us on point, man. <laughs> when sometimes man, I, appreciate, I appreciate all the work you guys put into the show. It's, it's really, really fun to listen to. We try, man, and we appreciate you for just keeping, up, keeping it real, keeping us on point, man, and keep listening. Of course, we'll keep – can you up and uh, probably have you back on later in the season and and uh, talk some more, man. All right, man. I'll talk to you guys later. All right, thanks. All right, have a good night. All right. All right, fellas. So as we move on, today is April. No, I'm tripping. Today is September 27, 27. Wow. I was just going to let you, however you're going to finish it. I was like, all right, whatever you say. Whatever Throw you back. say. I had, to, I, had to, I had to pull up the little calendar there. September 27, April. 2017. Uh, today is is not only Arthur Blank's birthday, but it's the Reggie Davis day, right? <laughs> Reggie Davis. Reggie Davis. So Reggie Davis. Squad <laughs> got waived by the Browns and the Falcons resigned him to the practice squad. Of course, he's a wide receiver, rookie wide receiver out of UGA, and he um is uh was with the team in the preseason and that somehow became AD's favorite player. I don't know if the UGA connection or what is it. Hey man, dogs, man. Dogs. When you beat the Georgia Bulldog, you're gonna feel a bulldog bite. When you beat the Georgia Bulldog. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm I'm a huge dogs fan as well. I I, I I'm riding with AD on this one, but I, I can't. I, I don't know where the, where it came from. So I've tried to just remain silent and just you know just support from afar. So I'm I'm glad it was one of those back. It was one of those bad jokes that. It just it, I knew it was rubbing AB wrong. I was like, man. <laughs> no, but, you, but you, you see, I've you see, I've been jumping in there little by little, trying to support the movement. So I'm in there now. He needs I mean, a chambray. He needs that cheetah chambray, man. <laughs> yeah, man. A little ding action. Uh, I mean, <laughs> every time AD types his name, the, the last name is all capitalized. This so, man auto-corrected that now. <laughs> anybody, anybody I ever type on my phone, work, personal, text, is going to be Capital Davis if they were <laughs> Davis. So, now, do you think – will Reggie Davis ever, ever dress out? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. No disrespect, but, man, um, 
Because actually that was something I heard um, on the radio today. Um, they were talking about, well, it wasn't on the radio, it was on Dan Levitar's show. They were talking about who's the best, who's got the best one-two combo of wide receivers in the league. And they actually, they dismissed the Falcons pretty quick. It was like, Julio, and who's the other dude with him? Wow. So no, not him. And they, had, they wow. were like saying uh, Stefan Diggs and Thielen in Minnesota. Wow. Well, wow. nobody at work. I think the last thing that last time they saw Sanu, though, he had butterfingers, though. So I understand. I mean, but body of work. Of course. I mean, oh, well, of course, it's talking about a hometown team. But Sanu has done, he's balled out in the league before. I'm, I mean, Sanu to me is, he's a, I think I put this in a group text. He's an Anquan Bolden type of guy. I mean, he's tough, physical. Uh, he's a big receiver. Um, and they've, they've been putting him in the slot a lot more. Like, there's no nickel cornerback who's going to be able to line up and jam him off the line. I mean, he's going to get whatever he wants pretty much. And he's big enough to take on a safety. He's big enough to really take on a linebacker. I mean, he's a big, he's a big guy. So, um, you know, a lot of these guys are, they're not going to, they, they don't follow the Falcons enough. They know we have a great offense. They know about Julio. They know about Matt. They know about Freeman. Maybe they know about Coleman, but they don't know about the rest of the guys. A lot of the other guys are, are unsung compared to, to our, our key guys. So, I don't expect all the accolades. We just got to get the get the ship, and everything will be all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, see anything? I'm trying to think. What else we had in the notes? Briefly, I want to touch on the uh, protests. I know that's been like everywhere. Um, Goodness. I mean, I know Trent. We got another group me that we've been talking about it, and, and it's crazy. And the Falcons. I mean, even we debated in Berbera's group text about. You know what? What will they do after we saw that um, Mike yeah. Tomlin said his team wouldn't come out? And I think I think AV said they had to do something, right? Right. Yeah. 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 I felt I felt like they had to do something. Why was that? Why did you feel like they had to do something? Um, oh. I, I felt like they had to do something for a couple reasons. I felt like one, um, they got called out. I mean, they got called out by the president that if you NFL owners should fire these SOBs. Um, who are not, you know, standing for our flag. So they got called out on that level. But then I think the precedent that got set really starting off with the games in London, uh, the Baltimore-Jacksonville game, you saw guys full-fledged demonstrations from the ridiculous to, <laughs> like, Ray Lewis. <laughs> to, to, oh, I knew I was about to say his name. That was getting mentioned. So, I mean, from guys like that to, like, guys who legitimately, um, you know, felt moved by the moment. So – I didn't. I feel like that was one of those moments that you had to be present for. Like you couldn't just. This wasn't just a regular Sunday. You couldn't just, you know, have your, your you know, your regular stance. You needed to say something because a lot of people are, are hurting. A lot of people are feeling what the players are going through, and a lot of people aren't. So you had both sides of it that you really had to kind of, kind of delicately dance around. Uh, for the Falcons, they only had they had two guys who who took a knee. Um, our starting defensive tackles, Don Terry Pro, Don Terry Poe, and uh, Grady Jarrett. Um, and Grady actually had an interview uh, this weekend. He got emotional about it, you know, just uh, about what he stands for, and to be called that, you know, you know, was was an embarrassment. So I felt like the Falcons had to do something. Um, I think the arms locking thing. I mean, you're seeing a lot of shows of unity, which I think is is good to see. But I, I would love for the guys to take it back to the original purpose. Okay. Uh, which is what Cap was trying to do, Colin Kaepernick, when he did his protest, uh, you know, last year. So um, I think the message, is, and I think a lot of people are starting to see it, it's starting to get lost in translation. Right. 
But um, I think that it was an important moment um, for the guys who did, you know, want to take a knee like Poe and Jarrett and uh, the rest of the guys who did want to do something. Um, I'm glad they did something, but I would have liked to have seen it be a little bit more widespread uh, amongst the team, not just two guys. But I thought we were far apart on this, A.V., but I, I guess after hearing you speak your piece and hearing it instead of just seeing a text, I feel like we're closer than, we, than I thought we were. But, yeah, I mean, my main point is, of course, the message has been co-opted when you're yep. seeing a guy like Ray Lewis who just a few weeks ago was like, they shouldn't sign Kaepernick. And then you're doing the – I mean, his his – Explanation, man. Don't even bring up that dude. But uh, <laughs> he's, become, yeah. he's, he's become like more of a caricature slash clown in retirement than I ever thought he would. Like besides the dances and all the emotion and all the extra stuff, he really has become like a caricature of himself now. Like it's crazy just looking at, at Ray Lewis hearing him talk. It's like what this guy used to be like one of the most feared linebackers like out ever. And now you think about him, you look at him, you're just like, this guy's a joke. Like, for what he stands for, what he does, like, on the sidelines now, it's, it's crazy. I think it's, I think he's yeah. an example of how, like, some football players don't know themselves outside, you know what I'm saying, outside of football. And so mm-hmm. it's a point of, like, I'm guessing he's just trying to deal with the person he is or trying to actually learn who he is, because I just don't, I think he has issues with just self, self-identity. But I think my issue with the um, kneeling or hand, like doing all of whatever it was, a sign of unity on Sunday, is that you have these owners who are, I guess, they're trying to stand against Trump, but they've also they also supported him in the past or su- supported him through his campaign. So it's kind of like, so whose side are you really on, or or what is this really about? Is this about protecting the shield? Is this yeah. about Colin Kaepernick? Like that's the thing. Like I guess you got both of you guys were saying how the message has been co-opted, and I definitely feel like the um, like this is it's, the NFL is distance, distancing themselves from uh, Colin Kaepernick and making this all about the shield, which is why you have guys or owners um, like the Jaguars owner. I can't even think of his name right now. Con, uh, Shad yeah. Con. Who was one of like these guys have donated money to Donald Trump or even like a Rex Ryan where I didn't know I didn't know who this guy was I actually supported this guy but now he's just talking ridiculous like no he's shown us who he was from day one but now you have owners that want to stand with your players because oh now it's affecting the shield I just think that's a big issue or even how um, the Sports Illustrated cover has a picture of the guys. Um, a, a Roger Goodell and some and, and NFL players. Uh, Steph Curry, rapping. actually, I think Steph, Steph Curry's when he's locking arms with exactly. And Candace yeah. Park, why is Candace Parker on there? But I think WNBA might have done some things. Yeah, they did. But at the same time, Colin Kaepernick is nowhere to be found on that cover. So mm-hmm. I yeah, just, I read the uh, Sports Illustrated. They had a, uh, a response to all the criticism, and they said that they were trying to make the cover um, reflective of the new voices in the conversation. So. That's why they didn't – that new voice. That's, that's the, like, that's the actual quote. They said that's why they didn't – you don't see Kaepernick because they feel like Kaepernick is still – his presence is obviously everywhere. So they didn't want to, I guess, be redundant with the message. So if you buy that – if you buy that – So they cut out – they cut out the – I'm sorry. They cut out the whole – I mean, it's, this is nonsense. It, but, that, but that goes back to my whole – I just feel like it – 
it's not genuine. It's more about the shield than it is about equality or police brutality or anything. It's more about protecting the shield. And I just can't agree with that. That's all it's about. He Trump is messing with the money. Period. Point blank. That's all this is about. And don't Jerry Jones. Oh man, have y'all seen that video? Yeah, where, he turned this he was trying to get the camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they kneeled before the anthem. And then when yeah. the anthem came on, they stood up. They stood. Yeah. Right. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. I watched Yeah, I watched that in disbelief. Like, wow. And and they took all the shots. You could just see Jerry Jones. Like he was the freedom fighter. Like he was the, the main one. Who was Get like? Me on camera, dog. <laughs> oh yeah, he's the he's the symbol of of uh, equality and 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 hope and justice. Like it, it's a joke. Um, so I can see why some people uh, aren't happy with it um, because the true message of what it's supposed to be about. I mean, that that got lost long ago. Like if these owners were really so concerned, you would have seen Colin Kaepernick on a team long ago without any controversy. Um, or even this but, week, <laughs> like... right? When you look at the quarterback play out there. He should definitely be on multiple teams. Multiple teams should be calling him up. Like, there's no reason that he's not on the NFL team right now. None. And you know what? I think all of this, I mean, if the coaches and the owners would have simply, by trying to quell the protests, the arguments, or whatever, they made it worse. They exacerbated the situation when, of course, I mean, from the get go, Cap, a service member was like, it's probably better to kneel than to sit on the sideline. He did that. There's an issue with it. But I think if they just let it ride in preseason, uh, a few of the Browns players kneel. And before that, Hugh Jackson's like, I'm not going to let it happen. And, I mean, by trying to push back, you just you make it worse. But I feel like we're in agreement on this. And, of course, this is going to keep coming out. Uh, there's be more talk on it. Yeah. A lot of people won't understand the issue. I mean, I, too many people like – I don't, the weirdest thing to me is seeing people burn jerseys and season tickets. I'm like, bro, you could have flipped some. Well, I don't know. He's a Colts fan. They probably not gonna get much That's for those. Like the, they need to burn that trash. Fake yeah. a, like fake offense is just. Oh, I'm just done with it. Like, it, I mean, it just shows the privilege. You're burning your jersey and your season tickets. The reason Kaepernick was kneeling was because people are getting killed. <laughs> like, where is the similarity in the two? Well, did they burn the jersey when they when their owner was getting caught with prescription drugs he didn't have a prescription for? Exactly. Or they tickets? I mean, you got a base head owner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, the selective outrage is is uh, is infuriating. You know, if you let it, if you really think about it, so. Um, I mean, it's just one of those things you just think about. And these guys, are, they, they don't – they really are all about the shield. If Trump had not said anything, you would not have seen a single owner on any of these sidelines this uh, past weekend. You would not have seen it because they don't care about the true message that has now been lost, which is about police brutality, inequality in our inner cities, um, and violence against black and brown people. You do not see that message by any of these owners um, you, what you see are these more vague, universal um, type of values like equality and unity, which don't really address the issues. I mean, they sound good. It's nice. I mean, we all want things like that, but it doesn't really address the issues that Kaepernick was really going going for when he first started the protest. So, um, if those so if those guys aren't really willing to address that issue, I would rather they not even be on the sidelines. True. Yeah. 
I agree with that. Great points, fellas. Great points. Uh, Buffalo. This will be the first time the Falcons see somebody cooking. Who whipping up some some good food? Already? Hey man, I'm always I'm about to say something, man. You already know, man. Let's go. Buffalo, we, we had the win conversation. We had the win conversation a week too early. We exactly. should. <laughs> Send your boy a plate down to Texas, man. We don't got no good soul food where I'm at, so. I heard y'all uh, got like some bootleg wings or something. Like that's the only thing y'all got down there. Man, uh, we got some good actually Tex Mex, but uh, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Trent's coming down this way in a few weeks. Check yeah. out uh, some good Big Twelve food. Some spots for me. Yeah, I got you, dog. I got you. But uh, <laughs> we got Buffalo coming up, coming to Atlanta on Sunday. I think this will be a unique challenge for the Falcons, just because it's the first time we see a, a solid running back. The Bears had a good two-headed monster with Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen, who Trent and I are familiar with because uh, he tortured our – well, he really didn't torture, but he put up some numbers against our alma mater. Are you proud? Are you proud? He was in college. <laughs> My bad. I... Three L's, three L's. <laughs> um, you know, hey, the Bills have Shady McCoy, you know, a guy who we talked about earlier is one of the top five backs. Tyrod Taylor may may bring some some unique challenges just because of his mobility. We face Aaron Rodgers, and he can horizontally he can make things happen, extend plays. But actually getting down the field is a guy like Tyrod Taylor. Is this this would be a good test for that re-engineered or you know defense missing Vic Beasley when it comes to getting pressure and containment? Would you also? Yeah, yeah. I mean. It- you got, uh, it, you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it'll be it'll be an interesting matchup. Um, you think about, um, you know, Tyrod Taylor's been one of those guys. He's been up and down his really his entire career, uh, especially in Buffalo. Um, so it'll be a unique ta- a unique challenge. Um, I think this game is only close if the Falcons allow it to be close. If we allow, um, you know, them to have the type of opportunities with turnovers, sloppy play, penalties. Um, then, yeah, it, it could be tough. I mean, they've got talent, you know, along their um, their defensive front where you think about guys like uh, Shaq Lawson, you know, and, and some of the other guys they have who can cause – who can wreak havoc. I mean, they played a great game against Denver um, last week at home getting that win. So it's not going to be easy. I mean, I think that's what maybe the first three weeks of the, of the season have, ta- have taught us. You know, games that we think are in the bag are going to be a lot closer because the line in the NFL is so is so close. So um, it's going to be a tough one. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think that we're a better team than Buffalo, but I don't think that we're 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 not close enough to putting it all together yet. So Buffalo will be unique. Uh, Taylor is going to be you know difficult to to stop if he can get outside and make some long uh, long run plays. Yeah, I think um, one of the um, things that's plagued our defense defense over the uh, years has been quarterbacks that can um, that can run. So I think that's where uh, Taylor can be dangerous against our our defense if he's able to extend uh, plays by running and getting a quick first down. I also think, like Av, I think the um, our biggest task will be their front uh, their front four, like you said, Shaq Lawson. Of Jerry Hughes, I mean, he had a crazy game against uh, the Panthers. I think a couple weeks ago, and you have uh, Shaq Lawson and uh, Marcel Darius. Those guys can actually create some havoc across the um, for our offensive line. 
and I haven't heard all about Ryan Shader yet. If he, I think he's still in concussion protocol. So yeah, he's still in there. So yeah, I hope something changes within these next two days. But if not, if we're missing him again, then that can be a tough task for our offensive line. So I, that's my biggest worry would be their uh, their front uh, front four. Yeah, I don't think we'll see Schrader. I mean, I know they even said. I mean, Vic Vic Beasley he started to do some running. You're not going to see Vic this weekend. Um, I don't. Again, I don't think you'll see him until middle of October. You know, it's going to be a minute. I think just for him to be to be right. So we're gonna have to. I mean. The right side of that line has has struggled, so I think we'll be in. I mean, that front four it's gonna be in, gonna be in for a dogfight. So, you know, as I look at uh, what the Bills have done so far this year, I'm thinking this will be a lot like, um, well, somewhat I would say somewhat like Detroit's passing attack because, of course, the Bills trade away probably the most talented skill player in uh, Sammy Watkins before the year. Yeah, Jordan Matthews from the Eagles, but this offensive attack is strongly based on getting Shady McCoy the ball and also Charles Clay the tight end. So, I mean, it'll be a good test for these tight end uh, for these linebackers and those guys when it comes to coverage. And you know, we've seen Devondre Campbell have to cover a little bit more, which is obviously not a strong suit at this point. But that will be another thing to look at is just coverage from a defensive angle, at least the front seven. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and I, I think it'll it'll definitely you know, hopefully we see a little bit more improved play from from Duke Riley. Um, I think he's he's getting close to where he he's definitely gonna be someone who makes a big impact um throughout the entire game. But, you know, he's had some issues, uh, especially tackling. I think that's probably been the his biggest uh opportunity as far as his playing linebacker in the NFL is wrapping up. I'm being, you know, disciplined with his tackling because he, he'll get to you. He's fast enough to get to anybody, but he's just not wrapping up. So he's going to have his his opportunities, um, you know, on Sunday. But that passing attack with, with, with Buffalo is just so, I mean, it's anemic. Their leading receiver, I think, has, what, eight catches on the season? No, well, Shady, Shady has 18, but as, so as Shady, wide receiver, the backfield. Yeah. Yeah, wide receiver is uh, Jordan Matthews with eight, and then Andre Holmes with five, Zay Jones with three. So, I mean, that's McCoy and Clay are their leaders. Yeah, I would think Trufant should have a pretty, pretty relaxing day back there. But, you know, they might switch it up. They might throw a lot more, you know, come Sunday. Yes, sir. AD, you got anything, man, before we wrap up here? No, the only thing that. I mean, you guys hit on most of it. The one thing I will say is that um, obviously the head coach has a lot of history coming from Carolina, so he probably knows. He's got a good, you know, he's going to have a good um, kind of breakdown on Matt and those guys. So, you know, it, I think it will be close just because scheme-wise he, he knows what to generally do against this team. And, you know, they're kind of strong where we're a little bit weak. So I'm not expecting – I expect to be walking around my apartment watching the game, pacing as usual, I'll put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good I mean, point. I forgot about uh, McDermott. I mean, I think, and their, their defensive coordinator uh, is Leslie Frazier, the former uh, Vikings head coach. Um, so I think, I mean, so they defensively, yeah, they got some really great defensive minds up there. Um, I, I still, I feel like we should, like, my heart is saying we should beat them by like at least ten points. Because they're just not as talented as, especially offensively. Like if we keep, if we play a clean game, play our game, they're not 
they're just they don't have the weapons to keep it to match up with us. Um, but again, I don't think we're at our optimum level yet, which is fine. It's still early in the year, but I don't think that we're operating on all firing all cylinders yet, which is going to allow the game to, to be a lot closer, uh, probably than it should be. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a good game, man. I I want to see. I have I don't know much about the Bills or. Definitely hadn't seen him play. And then Deshaun McDermott and Leslie Frazier, who was also defensive coordinator with the Bucks, uh, I think 2014-15. So a little bit more familiarity with uh, what we do. I guess, it, what, 2015 was the only year that Shanahan was there. So somewhat similar. But um, McDermott is definitely a good point. And, and they have a pretty good defense as well. So one Eastern on Sunday, Bills, Falcons. You don't have a basketball game scheduled this year, this week, do you? No, nah, man, that was just pickup, actually. So, you know, right, no basketball. Right. I'll probably be chilling, <laughs> chilling out on Sunday, man. No basketball schedule. I just, hey, I said, I, I was thinking the game would be over, and it almost was, but I missed the most pertinent drive. So, my apologies. Bird bros. But look, before we finish, man, I got to give Trent the floor. You know, we got to plug all our guys in. This isn't we got more multiple projects and real life stuff that we do, but Trent just started a new podcast called The Uncovered. Appreciate it. Tell that. the listeners and tell us a little bit more about that podcast, man. Yeah, so last week I released my first my first podcast, which is um under the uncovered. So supposed to be an inspirational blog, basically. So just introducing inspired um individuals and that you would just meet in common. Um in common workplace or just in common society. The first episode is about a professional, a former uh, professional basketball player and his transition to working in uh, corporate America. So check it out. It's the uncovered. You can check it out on SoundCloud. Yeah. Check it out right after you check this Bird Bros uh, episode out. For sure, yeah. I I think I retweeted it, but I'll retweet it on the Bird Bros account again. Definitely a good interview. Uh, Keith Gabriel, he played at VMI. And uh, overseas for a few years, and some good talk. If you're from the Charlotte area, or even just like college basketball and that kind of thing, and even wonder what it's like to play overseas, it was pretty a good, pretty good conversation in that transition where going from playing basketball to the real world, which was his transition was pretty interesting, and he felt like and how his his thoughts on on being in the real world. So I mean, it's pretty cool, man. Trent, kudos on to that, man. Good good work you're doing there. And also before before I get out of here, um, I gotta salute AD. I know AD and Rome they they're working with uh, Golden Boy Promotions or Mayweather Promotions and trying to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> trying to sell his AV versus Trent. Right. but only I in know, America. AV, I already saluted you this episode. I think you were known to, uh, you were known for that. But also, I wanted to shout you out because looking at Sark, I think Sark has made a quicker transition than I know I thought. I think I think AD or Rome, we probably felt all felt the same way with it. I think Sark has made a quicker transition to uh with his offense than we all thought. But uh AD was the lone one or the only one I remember that was that was that was more optimistic and had more faith in Sark. So salute you salute to you for that one. All right. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I just felt like, you know, it's still early, you know. He, the offense could could fall on his face, but I feel like um, he came in, humbled himself. I mean, he knew that he wasn't going to be running like his offense, quote unquote. It was going to be the Falcons' offense, which you know Shanny ran the last couple of years. 
Um, so he was running that offense. He was going to run a lot of the same sets, but put some wrinkles into it. And I think we've seen him do that. I think we've seen him get creative. I think his peak was definitely the Green Bay game. Um, but I think you see, you saw a lot of that carryover with just some of the type of play calls, the creativity. Um, I think the screen to Gabriel against Detroit was a beautiful play call. Um, he's starting to, I think, get a feel for how the guys react, how they play, and ultimately put them in the best position. So I think that's only going to continue. His confidence in the team, their confidence in him is only going to get stronger. So um, I really, we haven't really seen uh, Tevin Coleman have one of his like typical type games yet where he's – you know, maybe 40, 50 yards rushing, a couple of touchdowns receiving. Like, we haven't seen that type of game where he's just, like, super dynamic. So I would look for him to be a guy um, who the Falcons really try to get in space, um, you know, against Buffalo. But, um, yeah, I appreciate it, man. You know, I got to always try to have the, the uh, differing <laughs> opinion on things. So uh, I ho- hopefully uh, he keeps making me look good. My only, my only thing on that is, and Sark, if you're listening, um, more number 11. Yes. Agreed. He cannot get the football enough. Got to get in the end zone. He has not scored a touchdown this season, which seems in, which doesn't even seem right. Like it seems like a misprint, but they, they just do, they do not target him in the red zone like that. They just don't. I mean, you look at all the other top wide receivers, Odell Beckham, uh, Antonio Brown, um, Mike Evans, I mean, you think of some of the top receivers in the league, those guys are getting touchdowns no matter what the coverage is. Uh, for some reason, we just can't seem to get, get Julio uh, in the end zone, which is just really, it's really strange. So hopefully that changes against Buffalo. And I think that goes to, well, I guess, I guess the differences that I see in between Sark and Shanahan is surprisingly Sark runs the ball more than Shanahan did. And also he uses um Freeman more because you were speaking on how Tevin Coleman hasn't had a Tevin Coleman game but I think that's because in Sark like Sark is giving more carries and more opportunities to Freeman than he is to uh to to Tevin so I think uh Sark actually runs the ball more than um more than Shanahan and he does it when we're in that red zone which is why you don't like Matt Ryan doesn't have a lot of touchdown passes at all you talk about Julio Jones but Matt Ryan isn't um I mean, both of those guys are on my uh, fantasy squad, yeah, and their right. numbers they, uh, haven't. The been numbers for both of them really haven't been that. Now we get to the I, mean, <laughs> I think Matt had what he's had. He has what three total touchdown passes? Four, five. I mean, he doesn't have a, yeah. a bunch through three games. So, um, yeah, they they got to find a way to get the ball through the air. But yeah, I agree. They definitely there's definitely more of an emphasis on the run game with uh, with Freeman, um, and and really trying to push it, trying to really up front be as physical as possible but i'd like to see them get it to some more of their playmakers a little bit more um get julio in the end zone you know get some new some some tough first downs uh where's austin hooper you know get him more involved i mean he had you know he was the hero of game one but, i mean that was only off of really one catch you know he only had two catches for the game so some of our top guys in this offense still have not really gotten the ball yet so uh, hopefully, Buffalo. We against Buffalo, we can get everybody involved and, and get a big win. Yes, sir. I agree with that. Let's get a big win. I will watch every minute. <laughs> I'll have my snacks. I'll have my food, my healthy food, and I'll be eating and watching the game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Wilbur Bros. Until next time. Oh, let's get a W. Peace. Peace. Peace.